Yeah, no, the ball's fine. All these blisters, the home run rate, it's, no, it's, just, it's just a fluke, right? Those are not exaggeration. Those are real. Um, uh, I mean, he's had the stuff since he was in high school. post this episode on bp toronto oh can you please be sure to include the recipe for josh's birthday cake from the other day <laughs> it seems a reasonable request and welcome to episode 75 of artificial turf wars where yeah uh i am your host craig snooski <laughs> And I am joined tonight by Joshua Housem. Josh, welcome back to our show. Ah, thank you. Where we don't show anyone anything. It's not a, our program. It's a program. The Blue Jays currently have uh, have a 13-2 to two deficit against the Royals as we record this. That would be 13 runs to two hits. <laughs> no, right as you said that, the Jays scored two runs on their third hit. Awesome. awesome so we should just keep saying this and maybe they'll tie the game somehow <laughs> what's now accurate it's 13 did i say 13 to 2 and it's actually yeah. 13 well yeah it's 13 to 2 so hey <laughs> they're right back in it good hey Lord. it's a uh, 14 to 13 that's how this works right <laughs> <laughs> get back to you in about 15 minutes see how it's going <laughs> Uh, the Jays were 9-7 and seven in September and had won 7 of their last 10 and uh, Brett Anderson got on the mound blister free and just melted uh under the under the heat of the royals offense not a saying you usually hear the heat of the royals offense but yeah Oof. his era <laughs> at the start of the game was like 3.3 or 3.4 it's now 7.15 and then he was promptly replaced by santos who just kept giving up runs he didn't really slow it down uh, including an Alex, sorry, no, that was last night. My bad. Uh, including uh, an unfortunate event in Carlos Ramirez's life. Would you like to say a eulogy for Carlos Ramirez's zero ERA? <laughs> I'm just too sad. I wanted him to do it. I really want him to go through the season without giving up a run. That'd have been so cool. But no, he had to go give up a four spot, including two home runs. Way to blow it, Carlos. Can't even have one nice thing. He did go more than a calendar year without giving up a run. I know it doesn't show doesn't... In, the, in the stats, but he actually gave up a run last on July 16th of 2016. Yeah, no, it doesn't count. I'm sorry. No. no. Yeah, even even uh, Dirk... Uh, who's the author guy? Pitch for the Jays Hayhurst? for a little while. Yeah, Dirk Hayhurst at one point had a 1.00 ERA until his last outing of the season and he was like I knew I wasn't really a good enough pitcher to have a one ERA but it felt pretty good and then I got <laughs> I got lit up <laughs> I mean, but especially for Carlos Ramirez here it's like you're looking at a guy who had a zero ERA which looks really really pretty through all the season and now his major league ERA is 3.27 I mean that's just normal you know yeah it's pedestrian um so there, there, there was another, even though the Jays won the game last night, we did have another perfectly Blue Jays 2017 moment, as you put it to me when we were talking about this. So uh, what was our, our important important role to play in this record? Yeah. So 
as you said, and as you said, I said, so Blue Jays. <laughs> Lots of home runs this year. It's kind of been the thing. And there was, going into Tuesday's games, there was talk of, you know, who was going to hit the home run that breaks the record for home runs in a season. A lot of power hitters playing. Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, the players on the Blue Jays. You know, there's Mike Moustakas for the Royals. Yeah, it was Alex Gordon who hit it off the Blue Jays. For those of you who are unfamiliar, among qualified players in baseball this year, Alex Gordon's slugging percentage is dead last. Literally the least likely everyday player to homer. Period. Yeah. And he hit the what was the 5,694th home run of the season, breaking the record. Of course that happened to the Blue Jays in 2017. So there's a number of angles to take on the whole home run thing. Uh, number one is uh, the Blue Jays also gave up, uh, as I recall, both Alex Rodriguez's 500th and 600th home runs. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that. That's pretty funny. Yeah. I know Sean Markham, or sorry, I think it was Scott Downs for number 600. Um, but yeah, it was another. I'm pretty sure it was another Blue Jay for 500. So it's like, wow, what goes around comes around again. Um, so th- you know, they're sort of known for these things in a in a bad way. Uh, also, they set the record for most home runs ever hit in a season with 10 games, 11 games left to go in the season. What is that? And they're still like, oh yeah, the ball. Nothing we can see going on with the ball. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that that's eleven games, that's eleven days of games. So mm-hmm. you know that's fifteen games times eleven. That's a lot of games. One hundred and sixty-five games. Yeah. So one or two home runs per game. Wow. So they can just destroy this record. Yeah. No, the ball's fine. All these blisters, the home run rate. <laughs> it's it's just just a fluke, right? Oh yeah. Surely couldn't. I mean global warming hurricanes uh that's what it is the hurricanes are causing winds that are taking the balls out of the park yeah yeah they all just happen to be blowing to the outfield it's obviously (laughs) what's going on (laughs) yeah i think uh, david ardsma might have been on onto something where he's like you know major league baseball probably knows if something's up with the baseball that's kind of what they do is the baseball it's like hmm yeah, yeah, that's that could very well be. Um, you know, you've been good. I'd like to say you've been very well behaved up to this point of our little sh- uh, podcast. <laughs> I've just been waiting. You know, yes. I, I know we're going to get there. That's, that's <laughs> the only thing that's keeping me quiet. I did. I didn't tee everything up because I thought you would get excited this week, and you might. You might jump the queue here. So we're going <laughs> to talk now about Marco Estrada. Uh, he's going to be a Blue Jay again. Are you happy, Josh? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm so glad. I did not want to have to see Marcos draw to leave at the end of the season. And so the Jays brought him back for one year, $13 million, which, yeah, I, I'm really happy about that. Not only because I love Marco Estrada, but because I actually think it's a really good move for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I certainly he uh, overall has been very consistent in terms of health, and he's been you know more consistent than your average pitcher in terms of performance he hasn't been perfect but 
you know, generally, you know what you're going to get with Marco Estrada, which is more than can be said for lots of pitchers, including ones who might be, you know, coming up on the free agent market. And, uh, yeah, he likes it here. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the things he said. And one of the interesting comments he made specifically was, I don't want this team to make the playoffs next year without me there. It would be like that it would bother him if he left and the team made the postseason and he wasn't a part of it. And that's kind of cool, right? We don't hear that about Toronto very often. No. I think he may be wearing a little pair of rose-colored glasses there, but that's uh, so fine. It's it's a good attitude to have that you are, you know, you're coming back thinking uh, 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 not coming to this team is an opportunity missed is a, is a great way to, to frame up the Blue Jays. I think that's really cool. Uh, whether it's objectively true or not, I'm not 100% sure. I don't know. I think there's a very real case to be made that the Jays could make the postseason again next year. Yeah, I, I think I think they could. I think to expect them to is, until you see what happens in the offseason, uh, I think is, is kind of, you know, like oh, I said, for sure. optimistic. But it's not like saying, it wasn't like he was saying he expects them to, but it's basically him saying, I can see this happening, and if I leave and it does happen, I'll be upset. Right. Which is which is cool, yeah. Very cool. And, and we should mention, like, when it comes to Estrada, he had that really bad stretch for six weeks or so, basically, from the beginning of June till the middle of July, where he was just terrible. Like, he was really, really bad. And he sort of fixed it again, and he's been mostly Marco Estrada since. Well, I think there was one bad outing in the middle of that, but he's been really, really good most of the times out. Yeah, yeah. Like that's why I'm saying about he's he's not perfect, but he is. Overall, you know what you're going to get. He, he is. He was able to to get back to form. Was able to get. I presumably his control is what he was really struggling with. There is is you know if the changeup isn't where you want it, uh, everything else kind of breaks down uh, after that. So he's a mature pitcher. Uh, he knows what he what he has to do, and he, he's not counting on on all of his velocity to uh, to carry him through. He never has. And, uh, and I think that's a good thing. That's the kind of guy you want as he's aging. You don't want the guy who throws, you know, you don't want CC Sabathia because although CC has found himself this year, he spent a couple of years in the wilderness trying to figure out how how it works now that I don't have all the, all my stuff. I don't think you're going to get that kind of valley with a, a Marco Estrada. Yeah. And I, I come, obviously, well, obviously, I agree with that. Because <laughs> 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 I'm so rational when it comes to Estrada. Uh, another note. I think I just said another note before that, but hey, what the heck? Here's two notes. Uh, do do. <laughs> Love we both did that. Um, <laughs> he apparently this came out during the press conference was dealing with some sort of personal issues in the middle of the summer, which no one talked about. And I, it's hard to say how much something like that could affect him, especially when his command was the only thing that was really hurting. It wasn't like a, it wasn't a difference in his stuff or anything like that. So. Maybe that was just a fluky thing. Obviously, horrible for him, whatever it was, if it was causing this problem. And he really could just be this good going forward. But at the same time, for him, it's smart to bet on one-year deal because if he thinks, well, that's all it was, I can go be great again and get a big contract next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we shall see. Um, I'm going to throw in, uh, because it wasn't on our agenda, Roberto Osuna uh, went on paternity leave. Uh, and then he came back, and he seems to be throwing a little harder. 
I saw that too, and it was like Mike's son. It's like, oh, he's got that dad strength. <laughs> it's not how dad strength works, Mike, but it's, <laughs> it's fine, I guess. Any explanation will do. Um, but he also got an extended layoff because of the paternity leave and the Blue Jays mm-hmm. not needing a lot of him. I'm wondering if even something as simple as a few days not throwing a baseball is 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 really where Roberto Osuna's at. I'm curious. Well, I mean, if you just look at his velocity chart, in June, his fastball averaged 95.7 miles per hour. In July, 94.3. In August, 93.7. Mm. <laughs> like, that's a bad downward trend. And it's back up over 95 in September because he was hitting 96, averaging 96.5 in that start we're talking about, or that appearance we're talking about. Yeah. And I mean, he was not at ninety six uh, last night. He was, he was, but he was still over ninety five. So I know we watched this probably too closely, uh, but it does seem like uh, a little bit of rest might do him some good. And again, we are at the point where the Blue Jays would currently have to win out to get to five hundred. Surely it doesn't matter for the team what happens to uh, to uh, Roberto Osuna's arm, and it really matters what happens to uh, what. Yeah, what happens to it for Roberto Osuna's sake going forward? I knew what you meant there. It sounded Blah. funny. Yeah, it did. You well, I mean, just I want to I want to mention just what we're talking about though. You know, he had ten days off, which was the most he's had all season. And his fastball, he hit ninety-seven point three miles an hour. That's the hardest he'd thrown in over two months. Three months, over three months. <laughs> hmm. So. Yay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, now into, the, I guess, Boo is uh, the other guy who is not signing a contract to extend for one year is the G-Boat, the greatest Blue Jay of all time, Jose Bautista, is is truly in the twilight of his career. And this may indeed be the last home games he ever plays at the Rogers Center, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, it's kind of sad, um, especially you know, like last year, for example, when we were thinking it might be the it for him and Edwin. Edwin was playing like Edwin. And Bautista, he finished, people forget this, he finished last year very strong. You know, hitting hmm. some big home runs, and he had a 400 on base percentage from his last Yeltsin to the end of the year. So if that's the way they went out, it would have, you know, would have felt better, whereas this... It's kind of weird. It's like he he's playing out the string, and it's like, oh, gee, should he even be out there at all? And and that's kind of sad. I mean, and and yeah, it, it's oh, how the mighty have fallen is not something I wanted to think about when I thought about Jose Jose Bautista, and and it's just like there there should be more in the tank. Like I don't know what what else to think. He he just fell off the table. And there's there's no explanation offered for it except he's just not that good anymore. Yeah, I mean he's thirty seven. I, I guess it's just he's done, and it's you know I will be at his last game and I'll be standing and cheering because he has been an, a legend, right, an icon for this team for a decade basically. Yeah, I mean Jose Bautista, whether you like it or not, is the franchise as it currently sits. Where is this team's story since 2009 without Jose Bautista at the middle of the story? Like, you, there is no other name 
that you you could start and finish that with. It's him. No. Yeah, it was Roy Holiday in the the you know from two thousand one till two thousand nine, and he left, and it became Bautista's team. And I guess it'll be Donaldson's team next year, but he's a penny free agent, so it'll be interesting to see where the next franchise player comes from. You know, before Vlad Jr. comes and takes the medal, of course. But this is Marcus Stroman's team. Don't fool yourself. Yeah. I don't know. It is whether you, whether you like it or not. Maybe you liked Bautista. Maybe you liked Halliday, right? But I, I, I don't, I just, I'm talking about like a guy who's like I've got the star level performance as well, though. I mean, Strowman, he's up and down, right? He's really, really, really good this year. I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage him, but you know, Bautista and Halliday, these were guys that were at the top of the major leagues, not just the best player on the team. I don't think you always have a player like that. I mean, you hope you have a player always like that. But I, I do honestly believe this is Stroman's team. I also believe that somehow um, he just blocked this podcast on Twitter. I'm not sure how he did it. <laughs> At TurfPod is no longer able to follow Mark Stroman. <laughs> I don't even know what, what happened. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think he's the one with 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 enough, I don't know, charisma if you will, to sort of uh, be the face of this team. And, and no, I, I don't think necessarily he, he will be as elite as, as Halliday was, because elite, it, it, I mean, how often does a future Hall of Famer play for your team? And I understand the Hall of Fame rules probably won't let Halliday in, but in my mind, he's a Hall of Famer. Vlad Jr. <laughs> yeah, well, again, that's why I think uh, 2019 will be an interesting year far more interesting than 2018 can be because we'll find out whether Vlad and Bo are ready and they're still here or they've been traded for other assets or or what um, because that is far more interesting to me than what they can patch together slash assemble slash um, encouraged coax out of out of what they've got for 2018 all right all right, so let's check in with uh, Justin Smoke. Number of home runs before Richard Leeson commits uh, suicide by alcohol? Two. <laughs> Two. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to that. Uh, yeah. It's a shame he never, Richard never put a time window on how, many, how long he had to do the 40 shots. I feel that may have saved his life. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he's still going to get there. You know? 38 home runs isn't 40. No. In the top 10 in all of baseball, but still not 40. Tick-tock. Um, and then lastly, let, let's check in with the call-ups. Uh, you, rather prophetically last week, have reminded me that Richard Urena, Urena who, is, who is doing fantastically uh, with his batting average and his, his production, um, he, he could suffer a, a brief blip and look very much like a minor leaguer out of his depth. Uh, how's, he, how's that working out for him? <laughs> so after that game, which was the walk-off hit, he was hitting 324. He's now hitting 222. <laughs> he has one hit since that time. Oh, baseball and is a fickle mistress. <laughs> it really is, especially for 21-year-olds jumping from not doing well in double A to the big leagues. He's also struck out 19 times over those nine games. Whew. Yeah, there's a just a throwback to the Jose Bautista. He did set a record this year. <clears throat> did he did he strike out today? Uh, 
Oh, sorry, he tied the record. He tied Kelly Johnson. Yeah, he hasn't po broken it yet. He hasn't broken it yet. Did tie Kelly Johnson and uh, who was the other? Canseco. Jose Canseco for most strikeouts in a season batter. <laughs> uh, didn't want that to be the record he tied this year, that's for sure. Well, it's kind of amazing that the record is only 159. Considering the number of 200 strikeout guys who've played in this in this game in the last 20 years, yes. Yes, it is. We yeah. Oh, I'll just quickly touch on to Oscar Hernandez, too. Yes. How's he doing? He's doing all right. Uh, you know, he's had a couple of bad games as well. But he's, you know, he got the two-run double. That's good. That, yeah, it's 13-4 to four now. It's coming. Yeah, that happened almost right after we talked, and it really it's, it hasn't improved. <laughs> no. No, it really hasn't. Yeah, so he's, he's up to 271 batting average, and his slugging percentage is... It's actually his slugging percentage is pretty good. So it's almost 500 because he keeps getting extra base hits. His on base percentage is under 300, but it, it, at seven of his last 13 hits have gone for extra bases. There, there are a lot of players who can now hit for power. Good thing they didn't do anything to the ball or that would really mess up with that. Um, but hit for crappy averages and not the greatest overall production. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's baseball's weird. It's getting weird because every the baseball day. is weird. <laughs> No. <laughs> All right. That is uh, us checking in with the call-ups. Uh, no real good news there, but hey. So we were talking about 2018 and 2019, and the biggest name there is, uh, is it Shohei? Yep. Otani, who is a Japanese, plays both ways, uh, fielding, hitting phenomena with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. And we decided, since the Jays have been attached to that name, that maybe we would go over and find someone who knew way more than we did about Japanese and uh, Asian baseball. And we did find uh, Sungmin Kim, and he's going to be back with us in just a minute. And we are happy to welcome, for the first time, to Artificial Turf Wars, Sungmin Kim, who is a contributor at Sporting News and a staff writer at River Ad, uh, River Ad Blues. Welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, sir. Hello. Glad, glad to be here, and uh, thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure to bring someone new on, and uh, we brought you on because you know a little bit more than we do about baseball in Asia and, and in general. And, of course, uh, with the Otani talk, we'll start there. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Major League teams scouting this this two-way player from Japan. Uh, very exciting stuff. What what does he look like to you, who, who's probably seen a lot more footage of him at the very least than, than we have over here in in, uh, in Canada? Well, the reports that you've been hearing about him, um, the 100-mile-per-hour fastball, the dipping, diving, splitter, or forkball, um, depends on what they prefer to say and I mean the slut and really hard slather that just gets a lot of swings and misses those are not exaggeration those are real um, I mean he's had the stuff since he was in high school where in high school he was also a top prospect and really wanted to come to major leagues I'll get to that later but uh, he harnessed he had to really harness the command because um, because of his tall height um, he has a lot of moving parts, and he had a little 
bit of a difficulty um, harnessing his stuff um, to the MPB hitters at first, but he really um, polished his command and control in the last few years and became genuinely, like, actually one of the best pitchers in the league. And it's not, I mean, he's he might be a project, but he's, he's already really polished at the uh, age 23. And that's what's exciting about him because he's that he has the talent and also the um, um, improvement, a huge improvement from when he was an amateur only a few years ago. Hmm. Well, that's <laughs> certainly enticing. So mm-hmm. now, obviously, there's a lot of talk though about his two-way potential. Oh, yeah. Is he actually, if he came to the major leagues, could he hold his own as an everyday position player? Everyday position player, as you mean, as like a hitter? Yeah, mm-hmm. as in like an outfielder. I don't think he will play outfield in major leagues. No, but um, could he? Does yeah. he have the actual could ability he? to do that? Um, his ability as an outfielder has not really been talked about slash really exposed. He's mostly been DHing um, as a hitter. I mean, if he is if he's in the lineup, um, I would imagine. Um, I would imagine because of because that he would also have to pitch. If he goes when he goes to the major league, that he, no one, no one, no team would really make him field or anything like that, because you know you gotta protect your legs and everything. But how, how, is he a good enough hitter to hold his own? Yes, uh, yes, I do believe he, he will be. I do believe that he'll be. A, I mean, he can develop as a really pretty good major league baseball hitter. He already has a really good raw power, and his long arms um, allow him to reach for pitches um, that you wouldn't really expect a hit hitters to be able to reach. reach. Hmm. So it, it, it's, you know, he, he sounds like a, a real outlier. Uh, so I don't know how apt the comparison is, but but I want to know, the posting system does not sound like it is the same format as it was because of, of you know, an agreement between Japanese League uh, and Major League Baseball as it was when you Darvish came over with uh, you know it's a sixty not, million dollar mm-hmm. posting fee. So I'm just trying to get a sense of of what has changed and then who has benefited from the changes in the posting system if Otani were to come after this season. The main thing is that the maximum posting fee from the MPB uh, from the Major League Baseball team to MPB team. Um, it can it, it's capped at twenty million dollars, and it absolutely benefits the major league baseball owners because they don't really have to give up as much money to talk to one of the finest talents in the Japanese league. And uh, frankly, I think, um, in my opinion, um, it's a little disgraceful because. Um, MPB Japanese Japanese league is a world of its own, and a lot. I mean, but it is no secret that some players definitely do want to come to um, Major League Baseball to make their dreams come true. Uh, but however, um, the incentive for a team to give up one of their best players to a different league uh, has gotten much smaller than what it used to be. But that's how it is. How the things are right now, and uh, yeah, um, if I think um, I believe Darvish got north of 50 million. I believe Masajaka got 51 million from the Red Sox. Uh, we could be talking about maybe like more 70 or even more for uh, Otani if uh, they hadn't changed the rule, uh, maximum cap rule for the posting. 
but um and it would i think it would get much more incentive for the Nipponian fighters to uh let him go to the major leagues but because uh their benefits will be limited and at the same time otani really wants to go to the major leagues it's kind of like they don't really want to let him go for the sake of marketing performance and all that kind of stuff but because it's the player's wish they kind of have no choice but to let him go with a smaller posting fee than what they could have received if the rules hadn't changed from years ago but can at this point can the team simply say we're not going to let you go we're going to keep you in in the japanese league another year Mm -hmm. that's uh i mean otani has been in control of the fighters you know since he was drafted and that's been the case uh ever since uh, i mean that's been the case since he entered the pros and uh I, i'm i don't know what i don't know exactly how the conversation went between these two but i'm pretty sure um as some i mean otani has been appealing to the club uh to be able to go to the to be able to be posted to the major league teams for a long time and i think uh, this is the year that the team uh, finally has has had the change of heart and decided to uh, let him go to the major leagues because uh, it's the player's wish. It's but, interesting. Um, oh, mm-hmm. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but just what you're talking about there with the player's wish. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, we've heard reports that part of the reason that they're willing to just simply agree to this, even though. You know, especially because now with Otani with the new rules because he's so young he can't even get a contract like like uh, Tanaka did but that mm-hmm. in order to agree not to go straight out of high school to the mm-hmm. United States his agreement with Nippon Ham was that he would be able to leave whenever he wanted I've heard that and I was wondering if that's something you've heard as well well if that if I mean I wouldn't be surprised maybe maybe not when he would have been Many, whenever he would have been wanted to, maybe it could have been like after certain years, after um, he fulfills several, like maybe like checklists or something like that. If it were up to Otani, he would have been in major leagues by now. No, um, but um, at the same, but at the same time, like uh, yeah, that wasn't really surprise. I don't think I really heard that yet, but um, I, I do think because um, he is not yet 24 20 is 23 not yet 24 um fighters might have told it's entirely possible that fighters told him that hey we can let you go at a very young age um if you um develop really well and do some really good things for us as on the field i think that's entirely possible and yeah this might be the year or this is probably going to be the year, probably going to be the year so now just hypothetically if if a japanese high school pitcher did want to go directly to the united states could he could mm-hmm. he register for the the mlb draft instead of going into the japanese system like what what would be no, the result would, of that no he would be under the international free agent uh, role okay and yeah um and i believe um there hasn't been any case of japanese high schoolers going straight to uh, the United States, at least not yet. In 2009, uh, Yusei Kikuchi, who is currently the ace of the Cebu Lions, uh, he came really close to. I mean, he came really close to signing 
with an MLB team, I think at least eight teams were interested in him. But um, after a lot of soul searching and talking with the clubs and talking with MLB scouts, he decided last minute to just go through the MPB draft and try for major leagues later. And he is a legitimate um, Japanese ace right now and could be posted as early as next year. Hmm. We can talk about we can talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we may have to bring that one back up. But uh, but before we do that, I want to get switched gears here a bit. So we've talked about the changes to the posting system in Japan. Mm-hmm. It, now I could be wrong on this, but is the Korean system still the the same as it was in the old one, where teams bid up to X dollars, or are they also capped at twenty million dollars? They're not. It's the twenty million dollar thing is only between the MPB and Major League Baseball teams. So then as Korean baseball is clearly getting better and better, we're seeing more players come over to the United States and also more major former major leaguers going to Korea to rebuild their value. Do you think that baseball will try to put in a similar cap? Um, if it gets to the extent that extent that um, the team gets maybe like uh, 50 million or 60 million bid on a player maybe because i think the major leagues baseball will want to um do whatever to protect the uh, major league baseball owners of interest but um the only the only player that really broke the 20 million mark in the kbo posting is uh hyunjin ryu and he was an extraordinary talent uh in the korean leagues and uh, at this moment i don't really see anyone um really breaking the mark or come anywhere anywhere close to it so no i don't think um that mpb like caps going to happen anytime soon um to the uh, korean uh korean baseball organization teams I, now I, are you go ahead i was just gonna say i am curious what the um what the reason that even the mpb would have agreed to that 20 million dollar cap at all why wouldn't they you know what did they get from MLB for for agreeing to limit their profit on the on that side of things? Well, I don't think it's really necessarily well agreeing to it. It's more that they kind of had to abide to it um, if they want to um, fulfill the players' wishes. Like Masahiro Tanaka is um, one of the very probably the first case of having to go to the U.S., um, wanting to go to the U.S. while that CBA, new CBA rule was in effect. And uh, his, his old team, the uh, Tohoku Rakuten Golden Eagles, has had him and the club has had to do a lot of talking in order for him to persuade him to let him go to the U.S. And, you know, they agreed to do it despite um, knowing that they're probably not, they're not going to get the same money that um, the fighters did with New Darvish or the Lions did with Masazaka. Yeah, but, uh, but at the same time, um, the NPD owners are constantly constantly talking about how uh, they can benefit with the system right now. Uh, they're going to try to uh, propose new rulings um, to the current uh, posting system. Yeah, it seems like a very unusual sort of dynamic going on there between the two leagues, let alone the players in the leagues. Mm-hmm. It is, um, and it's really hard. Uh, it's really fickle, I want to say. And 
I mean, remember this is the this posting system um, is a thing because uh, MPV team. I mean, it was um, this system was created by the MPV teams at first because uh, they were losing some of their some of their players um, to the major league baseball teams without really much incentive. Like uh, I think, I mean, the very origin original case was back in the '60s, but it became more under the uh, spotlight back in mid-90s when uh, Hideo Nomo used the loophole in the Japanese league rules and he called retirement and then signed with the LA Dodgers. So his old team, the Oryx Buffaloes, got nothing from um, him going to the major leagues. Hmm. And mm -hmm, that, that, that was one of the pivotal points where the Japanese clubs were like, hey, we got to do something about this. We're losing our best players. We and we're not really getting anything about it. And um, I think actually Alfonso Soriano was also one of the cases where a Japanese team didn't really get much, didn't get much anything from losing their player to a Major League Baseball team because he was with the uh, Hiroshima, he was with the Hiroshima Carp team, but couldn't really get adjusted well to the Japanese life. So he uh, wanted to uh, get out of the team and uh, became a free agent and signed with the New York Yankees. It's interesting. We, we, we didn't hear too much about that Nomo story at the time. And so when we're talking about all these players, you know, like I mentioned, like the KBO is getting better. And then there's all these, we had Otani is done in the coverage. You mentioned another name. Who are the guys that we should really be looking for this side of the, of the world coming over in the next year or two? You say Kikuchi is a name that I mentioned. Um, he is the um, currently probably the um, front runner for as for the uh, Sawamura Award, which is like the Sion Award in Japan for the uh, Pacific League. And um, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but what I know is that his ERA is on the very south side of the two point something something, and also he's had 15 wins so far. And I think he either leads or close to leading is close to leading the league in strikeouts and he's a lefty and he also uh set the record for the highest velocity by a lefty pitcher in japan uh in the mpb history mm -hmm. i believe uh -huh, i believe he hit uh, 98 <laughs> miles per hour from the left side <laughs> well teams would be lining up for that and he would be older too so he would be coming under the tanaka system correct where you 20 million dollars and then a free agent contract 20 minutes, yes, yes. Um, and to be honest, he is 26. And after next season, he will be 27, 28. So teams will still be getting him in his prime years. Just right. that right now, um, the media is like Otani this and Otani that. So you don't really hear too much about guys like uh, Kikuchi or Norimoto. Norimoto is another um, MPB ace. He pitches for the... Uh, you know, um, Rakuten Golden Eagles, which is Tanaka's old team. I think, he, and I've been told that he also has a pretty good possibility of being posted to the majors, but just maybe not as soon as Kikuchi or Otani, but someday. And he's a righty, um, has a good fastball and break, good fastball, good poise, uh, good secondary stuff. But in terms of uh, striking out hitters and being dominant, um, Kikuchi is better. I would say Kikuchi is a better pitcher 
um, as a pitcher, Kikuchi is better than Otani or Norimoto, but Otani by far has the biggest talent of all those three guys. Interesting. So there's a few names uh, for our listeners to write down and see if they show up in the next year or two when uh, when all the news starts coming in the offseason oh, about, about Japan. Guarantee you, gu- guarantee you, you're going to hear Kikuchi's name uh, next winter. Cool. Well, because the Lions. Uh-huh. I was just going to say, um, I, I appreciate you joining us. We're just uh, we're looking at uh, running out of time here, but uh, maybe we can have you Already? back on oh. in the off season and uh, and get some more uh, more scoop from you about what's going on for their off season and uh, and any more details that come up. Usually, um, I get, is there? I, go ahead. Is there any more? questions that you would like asked or uh, answered or anything like that no i think we're good for tonight um i give you a chance to plug your twitter account if people want to follow you so where, where can they find you on the twitter it's at um s-u-n-g underscore m-i-n-k-i-m it's basically my name with the underscore uh, in between sung and min all right thank you uh sung man kim for coming on artificial turf wars and uh hopefully we'll talk to you again soon thank you uh thanks for having me it's rich this was a really quick and fun conversation like right. if the time goes quick you know i've had you know i've had fun <laughs> all right <laughs> take care thank, thank you you too That was a, an excellent little chat with uh, Sungman Kim. Now, uh, silly me, I didn't ask which was his last name because I understand uh, in some cultures that's reversed. So I, I don't want to screw that up. I'll just say his whole name every time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what I take away from that, screw Otani. I want you say Kikuchi. <laughs> I want them both. Yeah, that's right. Screw it. Get greedy. I want Kikuchi. I want Otani. <laughs> And the third guy was uh, Norimoto, Takahiro Morimoto. Let's get all three of them. All in, baby. 100%. Lefty, one lefty and two righties? Yep. Sold. All right. <laughs> now that we got that all figured out, I guess we'll go to your questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Yes, yes, we do have some good ones this week. I, uh, I took a peek at the list and I thought, this is what I want to respond to right now. Um, so we're going to start with Dave Church. Dave is, of course, one of our patrons. Thank you, Dave. Does Joe Biagini have a guaranteed spot on the roster next year? Now, that is tied to an Alex Hume question. Biagini, as a starter, has been mostly a disaster. Do you send him to Buffalo to try again, or do you put him in the MLB bullpen? This is like... The Joe Biagini question extravaganza. Joe Biagini power hour. <laughs> I think the answer to Dave's question is no. I don't think he has a guaranteed spot on the roster, partly because of Alex's question, which is about Biagini as a starter. I think the team wants to keep him there as depth. We talked about this briefly last week, I believe, mm-hmm. about this concept of good minor league pitching depth. And I think the idea for them will be to get more starters in the offseason, whether that's Brett Anderson or whoever. I don't really know, in addition to the four already in camp, and have Biagini stretched out in Buffalo in the minors. 
So yeah, he's he maybe he's got a spot on the forty man. Yeah, he's got that. That's pretty safe. <laughs> uh, Twenty-five men, not so much. Here's a good one, uh, Josh at Lou Brown thirty-four um, asks top three Joey Bats moments. So I presumably you and I agree on number one. Yeah, I think that sounds pretty safe. So how about we do second, third, and fourth Joey Bats moments after we agree on the bat flip? Jeez. Okay, you go first. Um, I have the stare down of Ivanova and subsequent home run off of David Robertson in the same game to break a tie because that was that to me was the first time we went, oh, Jose Bautista, you wouldn't like him when he's angry, um, which was really the time to me, like totally mind blowing that a player would do that. And, and again, you would he didn't charge the mound which i thought by then there was going to be even though there was a little dust up that's not the way he got his revenge so that was cool for me you have one because i don't want to take them potentially your moments well my my number two would have been in a similar vein it would have been the skipping home run off darren o'day (laughs) in baltimore that was a wonderful one truly and then then sort of as like a corollary this year again he hit a three-run homer late off baltimore and win the game (laughs) Yeah, he hasn't done much right this year, but that was definitely one of them. Uh, so, what other ones would I have? Um, I like, I just as a weird one that I thought was really great was him jawing at the fans while he pointed at the Blue Jays in first place in Boston at the scoreboard uh, on the Green Monster, which of all the places to do that, I don't know why, but the Green Monster scoreboard seems like the most... I don't know, in your face of all the things you could do. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. And so, so my last one, it's like, I guess this is our four, right? Yeah. Or, uh, this would have been from 2015 as well. People forget, I think, Jose Bautista threw out his shoulder when trying to throw Delman Young at first base earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. And for the entire season, basically, people weren't running on him. And it was a little bit crazy and then when it came down to it people think okay he's got no arm left and he threw out those two Yankees (laughs) including one at third and one at the plate and he just like uncorked real throws it's like oh my god it's still in there and this was in the heat of a a pennant race yeah yeah that was cool Uh, my fourth moment is actually going to be Jose Bautista's 50th home run Um, yeah that was going to be mine too yeah (laughs) Because it was, I mean, it was off of a guy who was looking to win the Cy Young Award that year. It was in the first inning. It was the only run that the team scored. Um, It it was everything. It won the game for them, and it it was the 50th home run, the first time a Blue Jay had ever hit 50. Super cool moment. Uh, And right when we were like, Jose Bautista is the real freaking deal, people. Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some very top moments that maybe not every list would have. Hop, skip, and a jump, man. <laughs> yep. Uh, so Alex Hume is also wondering at Ahume92, do you think the Jays may trade Pilar this winter? His defense has already taken a step back and will only worsen. Would you like to contradict Mr. Hume there? No. Um, well,. I'll contradict him on the will only worsen part. I don't agree with that notion. Mm-hmm. There's no evidence to support that. 
he he has taken a defensive step back this year though but that's because he was just insanely good the last <laughs> two seasons <laughs> um yeah i don't think you i, I think you trade kevin pilar because he, he's not going to get any better with the bat uh, but people, someone who wants a defensive center fielder, is they're going to give you a real asset for Kevin Pilar? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you don't need a fantastic s- defensive center fielder right now on this team. You need a decent defensive center fielder, and you need a guy who can actually have a better-than-average offensive profile. So you lose a little bit on defense and gain a bunch on offense, go nuts. Yeah, or if you somehow get the money to sound like a Lorenzo Kane, then you tra- trade Pilar to fill another hole. Yeah. Yeah, he's. I think he's absolutely a movable piece. Um, do I think they do it? You know, first priority? No, it'll just be, I think, an opportunistic thing. Yeah. Um, at Bobachet, again, still not to realize he hasn't been kicked off of that ID. Uh, whose name is now N N I U Q? It changes every week. When you post this episode on BP Toronto, oh, can you please be sure to include the recipe for Josh's birthday cake from the other day? <laughs> it seems a reasonable request. For those of you who missed so the pictures. The, yeah, so I posted a picture of this cake that my girlfriend made for me for my birthday, which was Monday. And also the same birthday as your wife. Happy birthday but all around. But I don't know the recipe because it was baked <laughs> for me. So, no, I can't do that. <laughs> uh, y'all head on down to Bulk Barn and get as much peanut butter cup Reese's Pieces stuff as you possibly can and just start piling it on. <laughs> That's <laughs> apparently what we're doing. Uh, you want to read us the last question? Sure. This is from Phil Golubovich at Philly G. Would you prefer to lose by death by a thousand bloop singles or club to death with dingers? Give me the dingers. Just just pound me into oblivion with uh, with big hard hit baseballs. Because I, I would feel like I knew what was going on. I would be frustrated to death by the bloop singles. And speaking as a pitcher, I could not agree more with this. <laughs> <laughs> I had a game recently I was pitching and I give up seven runs in seven innings and the hits combined could not have been more than 400 feet. <laughs> it was the worst. It was like swinging buns, flares over first the entire game. And it sucked. <laughs> give me rockets <laughs> off the fence or over it any day over that. Yeah. Get, tell you you're doing something wrong and then you can try and compensate for it. But when you just you feel like you've been unlucky for forever what do you do different exactly it's just like yeah. all right like eventually it's got to switch right apparently not when you give up seven runs in seven innings not yeah. so much oh well thank you for all your questions uh we will move on to our usual do over segment Oh my god, did he really just say that? But we can try again, right? You talking about a do-over, baby? Are you talking about a f***ing do-over? We believe in second chances. And you uh, you had some audio that you sent to me of uh, Mark Shapiro on with Jeff Blair. Always gobs of fun. So we're going to give that a listen, and we'll see if our listeners also think Mr. Shapiro deserves, um, you know, an opportunity. Uh, we said all along that you know because of our uh you know the maturity of our roster you know and the maybe lack of balance in that uh, along with the lack of upper level talent and depth um you know due largely to trades you know we it was a precarious position one that we were fortunate to avoid uh last year and one that we were unable to avoid this year oh my god 
So that was him talking about the, the the situation he was left with from the previous general manager. Yeah. Like he's basically ripping on Alex Anthopoulos for not giving them the depth from pitching basically because the, you know, the position player depth, he didn't trade any position players. It couldn't be them. So I'd like to read you the ERAs of the pitchers that were traded that are in the major leagues, the starting pitchers. Is this courtesy of Tao Steve? This is courtesy of Tao Steve. Thank you for saying that. I was about to, but <laughs> he should be credited. Jeff Hoffman, 5.45. Hyru Labour, 5.40. Matt Boyd, 5.33. Daniel Norris, 5.38, including an injury stint in the, that lasted quite a while. He's in the bullpen now. Uh, and also, the Boyd ERA includes a eight and two thirds innings of no hit ball in his last start in a September ball game. Yes, but that that lowered his ERA presumably by a good chunk. He certainly did, <laughs> and this is what we're talking about. So yes, that's I mean that's still better than what the Blue Jays have gotten. I mean, I don't think any of well, no, Bull Singer has the lowest ERA among their fill-in starters at six point three one. But, you know, 5.33 with this offense wasn't winning those games either. No. No, they did not give up uh, a lot of assets that would have been useful right now, which is, I presume, what he's trying to say is, oh, I would have had more useful pieces if. Yeah, and you wouldn't have two, um, you know, ALCS appearances either. What do you right. want? <laughs> Unless things, like, you wouldn't have the budget to do any of the things that you want to do because the team would not be they've drawn now their three million fans again that was going to be my final thought but who cares they they clear the three million three million threshold today and that doesn't happen without those moves and therefore you're not getting to sign marco strada for another year 13 million you're probably trading away josh donaldson because you're over budget so that's the do-over it's like you know don't just trash you know casually trash the previous uh regime when those things you're specifically attacking one wouldn't have helped and two actually are the reason that you're where we are in terms of the good things right now so what's the do-over what should what should he admit to instead when he comes on our podcast <laughs> <laughs> hey he, he should acknowledge it's like okay yeah i, I probably you know erred on that side yes it would have been nice to have those guys for depth and maybe as Andrew Stone pointed out, that we could have developed them a little differently, not rushed them like some of those teams did. But point out that, yeah, those trades really helped get us to where we are today. Indeed. On a lighter note, <laughs> our other <laughs> do-over is um, for Matt Dermody. Uh, Matt Dermody had the honor of uh, finishing a Blue Jays game the other night. Uh, Matt then just he wandered over to the dugout directly and... Uh, and Marcus Stroman came out <laughs> and had to inform him that the, the, when you finish a ball game, you need to go talk to Russell Martin, your catcher, about uh, how happy you are that you just finished a winning ball game. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Where are you? How Matt? many what games you have you played in your life, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> so I looked it up because I'm like, well, if he's been a starter and he hasn't thrown a lot of complete games, maybe he's kind of in a, in a shock that he's just finished a game. Right? I mean, it could be fish out of water. He's finished 46 games in the minor leagues. <laughs> you yeah. should know what to do after after 40-odd games, I think. Um, so, obviously, now our conclusion is, therefore, he thought it was the eighth inning. 
That's the only thing that really makes sense. No. No, it, it doesn't make any sense either. Um, because uh, why would you not know it was the ninth inning? <clears throat> yeah. And here's another one. He has a game finished previously in a win. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> normally I'm not a fan of the act like you've been there before. <laughs> but I'm going to go with it this time. <laughs> Oh, goodness. In this case, it's remember that you've been there before. (laughs) Oh, no harm, no foul. But yeah, if you'd like to come on and explain where he was going, we would perfectly be happy to to talk about that once and never mention again. (laughs) It's wandering into the wilderness. I'm sorry. Did you have, my good man, a final thought? Well, I already shared it. (laughs) Okay, three million. Um, I have a final thought. Uh, albeit uh, brief Um, at some point uh, I don't know why after a horrible loss sports writers insist on doing the same thing that they always do even after a victory and tell you that details will be up shortly while they do a game recap somewhere Um, nobody wants those details (laughs) like (laughs) zero Blue Jays fans want to know the details of a loss that is is it 15 to 4 still I don't have yeah Nobody wants to know how it ended up fifteen to four. The score will do. Thank you. You can you can spare us <laughs> any of the other. Take a night off, really. I mean, you don't get a lot of nights off during the season. Take tonight for yourself, whoever you are. Oh my goodness, I do believe that uh, that brings us to the end of another program. And as a result, I, I must say that you were uh, Josh Housem at Joshua Housem. Uh, I was Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. Our guest uh, was Sung Min, Sung Min Kim at Sung underscore Min Kim. Uh, and this has been episode number 75 of Artificial Turf Wars. And we'll talk at you next week.